The United States Border Patrol has exciting and rewarding career opportunities with the nation's largest law enforcement organization. Earn great pay with outstanding federal benefits and up to $20,000 in recruitment incentives. Learn more online at cbp.gov careers usbp. A Russian proverb tells us translation is like a woman. If she is faithful, she is not beautiful. If she is beautiful, she is not faithful. I don't know really what that means for us today, but uh, we're talking about translation. Welcome in. This is Religionless Christianity. I am your host, Spencer. This is my beautiful and God-willing, faithful wife, Nikki. And um, before we dive into this, honey, is there anything you would like to say? I am faithful. <laughs> Praise God and beautiful. <laughs> um, just a prayer request. Um, Spencer's sister and her family are coming to visit us. They'll be here Friday and they leave today, Wednesday. So pray for safe travels for them. Nobody gets sick and that it stops raining here so we can all enjoy the beach. <laughs> Definitely. Um, please pray for that. There'll be a lot of people in a house that is not very large. Um, and then just also lift us up in prayer. You know, our lives since we've moved here have been uh, a whole lot busier. Um, seems like every day is just jam-packed from morning to night and it's difficult to get here um, to make just even get these podcasts out and uh, so just pray for us that we'll find a way to make it through this madness and still um, do what God's been laying on our heart and then also um, you know the pr uh, prison ministry pray that that comes about we actually found another ministry opportunity with sort of uh, uh, children that were coming from um, difficult living circumstances that we might be able to go and um, help them in their life. So pray about that for us. We would certainly appreciate it. So, um, but anyways, oh, and also like and subscribe. If you're on the podcast, follow us and then please come jump on our discord. That's where these prayer requests will be listed. Um, we'd love to get prayer requests from you, um, praise reports from you and all of that good stuff. So uh, with that being said, today we are talking about Bible translations. And this has been on my mind for a couple of days now, uh, mostly because I'm in the market for a new Bible. Um, just keeping my fingers crossed, I would get one for Father's Day, but that, that didn't happen. So uh, you got a book. I, I did get a good book, and I'm going to do an episode on this book because <laughs> it was so good. Um, but yeah, I've been wanting to make this podcast because as I was looking through different Bible versions and stuff, trying to figure out what I wanted. Um, thought maybe other people are interested as well. So, and then kind of as that was happening and going through, you know, my own mind walking around bookstores and such, just happened to see on Facebook. Um, and I'll, if you're on YouTube or Facebook, you'll see these uh, little uh, messages and stuff that we had on there. And it was basically people asking about different Bible translations and, you know, the comments and the craziness that <laughs> ensued with it. But I thought, Okay, so other people are interested in this, so it'd be worth kind of making a quick episode on Bible translation. So that's what we wanted to try and then just kind of help out, you know, anyone out there 
just looking for a new Bible and you're not exactly sure or clear on which Bible to choose, right? There's so many different translations. So um, that's what we're hoping to do today. And uh, if you're on Facebook or YouTube and you're watching this, we got a nifty little uh, PowerPoint slideshow that we're going through right now. So you can follow along with us. But anyways, looking at this, what are Bible translations, right? Um, you know, basically the Bible, when it was written, um, it was written in three different languages, mainly. The Old Testament was Hebrew and Arab, a little bit of Aramaic. Um, in the, the New Testament was written in Greek. And again, I've mentioned this book before, and I'll mention it again here. It'll be linked in the description. Essence of the New Testament. Um, it's basically a good textbook and really, mm. really simplifies sort of understanding how the Bible came about and each different, you know, book in the Bible and stuff. But yeah, so Hebrew, Aramaic, and Greek, and then even the Greek or the Old Testament was translated into Greek basically about 200 years before Jesus arrived on the scene and was born. Yeah, and then the Bible uh, was then translated um, into many languages in the early church history. And in the, the fourth century, Pope Damascus, uh, he commissioned the translation into Latin. And that is what has become known as the, um, the Vulgate. Yep, I've always famous. heard that and never knew really where it came from. Yeah, that's one of uh, a pretty Vulgate. famous translation in Christian history. But yeah, so then as, you know, scripture started, you know, kind of making their way from, you know, Israel and spreading out into, you know, Syria and all these places, it eventually made its way into Europe um, with English-speaking believers, right? And an English translation was sort of mm -hmm. required. And I think, think you, uh, according again to the essence of the New Testament, um, they mentioned that even as early as the seventh century, there were little bits of translations into English, but it wasn't until the 14th century with John Wycliffe um, where we got the full translation into English. And um, they kind of go and talk that he kind of translated the first four Gospels and potentially even the entire New Testament, but actually his associates and stuff um, went and finished the rest of the Bible translation for him. So, Yeah, then we got the William Tyndale. Is it Tyndale or Tyndale? I always say Tyndale. Tyndale. But okay, <laughs> William Tyndale's translation that was uh, 1526 in the Geneva Bible in 1560. And then <laughs> God smiled at us once more and he gave us the King James Version in 1611 or better known as the version or as uh, this fella on Facebook mentioned, it's the God breathed version. So uh, 1611 is when we got the King James. Oh, goodness. So the reason why we have different versions as for the early church, it was because language changed. Uh, we didn't speak Hebrew, Aramaic, Latin, Greek. Um, so we need God's word in every language um, so we can read it and understand it. So going back to the first English translation uh, with Wycliffe, and if you're on YouTube or Facebook, you can see the scriptures, you can read it, but it is a struggle. So we even need an English translation with even more 
modern input. Yeah, because like that Wycliffe version written, you know, in the 1300s, you can stumble your way through it, but you actually spend more time trying to understand what word you're reading than you would actually understand um, the actual sentiment that it was trying to, you know, talk to you about. So, yeah, but this is basically where we're at today, right? You know, and obviously the King James Version from 1611, you know, is still around. And actually, according to the Christian Post, um, it's still the second most purchased version of the Bible, only behind the New International Version. Uh, Mm. So the reason today that we get different translations and versions of the Bible is basically because, you know, kind of the, the way that or the different methods that translators use, as well as the reason why those translations get produced. Yeah, so you may look at this differently, but you know in history that Bible translate translators were were killed for doing what they did. Like I even read the story to the kids about William Tyndale, those books we got, and you know it's for kids, but they did learn um, that he was eventually killed for doing what he did. So yeah, and this was by supposed Christians, right? That killed mm-hmm. him and. Again, you may look at this differently, but today, I mean, I think it's a blessing. We have so much religious freedom, even though that's under attack now, but it's still, you know, crazy compared to history, you know, that we're able to translate Bibles and produce Bibles just to fit different needs that we have. Not like life or death anymore. It's just like, oh, I I need a new translation for a kid. (laughs) I know, there's a translation for every person, really. I don't know how many different translations we have, but but that brings about issues as well. So you'll even see this. I just learned there's gender-neutral Bibles. Mm-hmm. And I didn't even know what that meant at first. I was like, what do you mean? There are four people who are confused. But no, it's like the he's and the she's, like the people in the Bible don't have a gender assigned to them. Like, that is the craziest thing. Yeah. Yeah, so uh, I'm sure they're going to have a, uh, I don't know, probably producing a race baiting Bible right now where every oh major goodness. character is black and who mm. knows, but, uh, the Christian standard version, um, the Christian standard Bible is one that I use as a study Bible that I have. Uh, we actually found it in a house that we had moved into. So it's kind of falling apart, but, um, <laughs> this is a book or a Bible version that I like to read. Um, but, if you actually go into this Bible in most study Bibles and a lot of just general Bibles will sort of tell you how they were translated and why they were translated the mm-hmm. way that they were. Um, and they even tell you like, so for this Bible, they'll tell you that they, um, they looked at a couple different um, texts and things that they used to translate their version off of. And they even also uh, mention where they had disagreements with those original texts and how they, handle those disagreements. So you have full transparency in this Bible translation. Um, And then also they'll go into what type of translation they use. So there's really two sort of translations that Bibles go, they look at. It's the dynamic, um, or I'm sorry, the formal equivalence, which is basically a word for word translation. Or they have like a dynamic or a functional equivalent, which is basically a thought for thought translation. So that's kind of the way most of our Bibles are broken down. They're either dynamic or they're um, formal equivalents. Um, And then you get sort of the far end of the spectrum where you get into like a paraphrase translation. 
So it's um, kind of like how someone would just if they were explaining the Bible or a certain passage to someone, it's to, as they would actually be saying it. Yeah, and this is where you get like the message Bible, which is like a very you know, that's like the epitome of paraphrase, where it's like, you know, in the beginning God created the heavens and the earth and all the message might be like yeah, God created the created everything, and then like next <laughs> verse, and you're like, oh, okay, I get what you're saying. So, vague. so maybe that's not <laughs> actually like what they say, but it's that sort of thing. So paraphrasing, yeah. giving you the general idea. It is just a general idea, but it's a general idea in a modern story. language way that yeah. they think makes more sense to people. So um, that's kind of the way that we get our different translations and why. So looking at that, we just wanted to kind of show you where does your favorite version of the Bible sort of fit into this spectrum. Um, and if, again, if you're on Facebook or YouTube, you can see these charts here, but you can find these charts online and we'll even put this um, slide up on our discord under the episode notes. So if you want to go and see ours, we pulled four different sort of charts and you can kind of see that they're all basically the same, but they may have small variances as far as where a translation falls on that spectrum. Um, but yeah, they kind of break them down a word for word or a thought for thought comparison. And then, you know, they kind of put the Bibles on there. Um, so, you know, largely if you want, you know, like the most word for word translation version of the Bible, um, it's pretty much accepted that that's the new American standard Bible, which I did not word know until word. I yeah, looked through. Uh, funny enough, <laughs> small little bit of information. John MacArthur preaches from the new American standard Bible. And he's a good preacher. He did not <laughs> shut down in California. So God bless John MacArthur. Um, <laughs> and then uh, also on that spectrum, oh, we already mentioned the, the message Bible. So like New American Standard is basically the epitome of a word for word translation. The message is like the epitome of paraphrase, you know, and then we have things like the English Standard Version or the ESV. Um, the King James Version, those are all word-for-word -word translations, just maybe a little bit not quite as word-for-word -word as the New American Standard. Um, the Christian Standard Bible, the New International Version, those are sort of middle-of-the-road Bibles. You know, they kind of find that what they consider a perfect balance between word-for-word -word and thought-for-thought. -thought. And then sort of on the far end of the thought-for-thought -thought spectrum is the New Living Translation. So that's kind of where your favorite Bible might fall. There's obviously a lot of different versions in there. And if you check these slides out, you'll see those. Well, yeah, cause I was, I tend to like the, um, the new King James version, but I didn't know where it was on the spectrum That's because I like, I don't know, I guess, cause I like to study specific words and look up what they mean. I don't know. I feel like, I don't know. I get more out of it. Cause I like, I like studying. So would you say that one would be for like studying? Yeah. And the King James New King James, they're both in that word-for-word word spectrum mm. of things. Um, and that's kind of what we wanted to, you know, touch on here on this last slide is why do you need a new Bible? You know, that's a, a big question to ask yourself because that's going to help you dictate yeah. what version of the Bible, you know, unless you're a King James purist and every version of the, you know, whatever you need it for. It's King well, James I noticed when I'll go, I do like to jump around to different versions because I want to just know, oh, I, I don't quite understand what this means here. Let me read this other, and I don't really know what I'm doing. I don't know what other version I should jump to that would be more of a thought for thought versus word for word. Well, you know it now. I know. <laughs> no, but really what I would say is like, 
if you're getting a Bible for study, um, you know, at home, personal study, spiritual growth, that sort of thing, I would go word for word. So maybe a ESV or a King James, if that's more your style, something to that effect. I think a word for word is good for study. Um, mm -hmm. If you were maybe, I would think like buying a gift for somebody, you know, somebody, you, you know, you're going to buy them a Bible. I think going in that middle of the road, you know, might be a good one. A Christian standard Bible or uh, the NIV is a good way to go. And that's obviously why the NIV is the number one selling Bible. That's probably because oh. you don't know what they're looking for that Bible for necessarily. So um, usually it is gifted when someone gets a Bible. It's because it was gifted. It could be. My you know. first Bible was. Yeah. And then last one, I would say like maybe if you're preaching or you're going to be standing up and reading to a crowd, that sort of thing. I think a thought for thought translation, like the, the new living translation would be a good idea because the idea behind a thought for thought isn't that like they don't want to be word for word. It's that the word for word isn't as easily understandable. So if you're reading to a crowd, you want them to basically be able to follow along, pick up what you're saying. So a thought for thought might be better in that aspect. You're not really like deep diving into the scriptures or something. So that all these different Bible versions and translations are like at odds with each other. Nobody's saying this one's better than that one. And that's what people end up getting into. But everybody who's um, right, rewriting a different translation or version, they're not doing it because they think the one over here isn't as good. Or no. there are some things that need to be revised, but they're not at war with one another. They're made for a purpose, like you said, for studying or to help somebody understand more with the thought for thought. Yeah, I mean, I would largely say the reason they go back and retranslate is probably, it's born out of, a, I would imagine, a good place. They see a, a hole or a need for some new mm -hmm. translation where maybe, you know, I, we were kind of joking as we were starting this episode, like, you know, we'll be sitting in church and there's always like that, you know, once a month or once every two months, a random person will stand up and read from the King James and they're like, thou dost love it. And you're like, oh my God, are you like, and it is okay. hard to read because we don't speak that way. Yeah, so, not a bad Bible, but to read it in public, you're like, okay, yeah. like, so, dude, just get a, <laughs> get a thought for thought. That's just us, you know. And then the last one that we just wanted to kind of touch on was sort of this, the children's Bible um, area. Um, and again, you guys can disagree with us on this, but really... When it comes to a kid's Bible, I would not be overly concerned, depending on their age. Obviously, they're getting more into the teens, then yeah, they need to be reading yeah. real scripture. But I would say if your kid enjoys reading it, um, that's the number one goal. You want them to like yeah. enjoy reading the Bible. And ask, and reading they're the going to ask questions. If they're really reading it, they're, they're going to be asking you questions because they're not going to comprehend everything. I still ask all kinds of questions, and our kids have... I mean, they get a lot of Bibles passed down to them, but they have everything from the King James to the Lego brick Bible. And I was laughing because I didn't really look at all the illustrations in it because everything is Lego builds. And I remember seeing when there's uh, maybe something about the Holy Spirit and it's like a literal, like all that Lego has to use, they have a ghost and they use a Lego ghost for the Holy Spirit. And I'm just like, Oh my goodness, I have to look at all these uh, Lego, you know, their illustrations. 
you know, going through the whole Bible. There's a New yeah. Testament, Old Testament. You don't Testament. even want to know what the Song of Solomon oh is like. Oh my goodness. They no, don't I'm have just, it for every little thing. <laughs> <Just kidding. laughs> no, but I mean, obviously like as long for us, as long as they enjoy it and it's not sort of steering them away from touchy subjects or like gender neutral type stuff. Mm-hmm. And I'd be okay with it, you know, depending on their age, just get them reading the Bible, get them enjoying the stories, learning the stories. To me, that would be uh, what I would say to do with the children's Bible. And then as we get ready to wrap this episode up, you had a few questions that you were um, kind of writing down as we were going through this. Well, a lot of people just, they want to argue with you, just religion and just the existence of God. And they just say, oh, they don't, they just don't trust the Bible. And your whole religion's based on the Bible, but they don't trust it because it's written by man. And so it's probably all not where it started, you know? like the game of telephone. <laughs> yeah. And we touched on this in a previous episode a little yeah. bit, but like it's not, I mean, the Bible is a, um, historically accurate. Um, and we mentioned it's not just a book written by a guy, 66 books written by 40 different authors over 1500 years across three different continents mm-hmm. in three different languages. Like it couldn't have just been, you know, a dude, you know, like, uh, John Smith or whatever, who's that the Mormon dude, found a couple golden tablets and now you have a Bible. Like it didn't work that way. So um, it's a trustworthy document. Now, whether or not you want to say Jesus is actually God, that's a faith issue. Mm -hmm. Um, But Jesus being a man who walked this earth with his 12 apostles, like that is not in question. That's that's fact. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, I mean, people are going to obviously try to deride the Bible because it's a holy book, but it's an accurate book as far as what's contained in it. Now, if you want to believe in God, that's a leap of faith um, that you sort of have to take. But as far as the people and the places and the time period in the Bible, that's all accurate. Yeah, that's all fact. And, you know, the Bible's been rewritten and it's had to be rewritten for other languages. It's, is it even, it's not even in every language on the earth. But I just, it just, occurred to me before we started that like when the Holy Spirit came at Pentecost and there were people there that all they all spoke different languages and the Holy Spirit spoke and everybody there heard the gospel in their own language and that's what's going on today the Holy Spirit is speaking He's going to speak however someone is going to understand. And as our culture changes, you know, we always had new words. We use words that somebody else in their, you know, in their um, language or their country, they wouldn't even use in the way we use it. So I think it's always going to be like evolving with us in order um, for us to understand it. Yeah, I mean, it's gonna. We're gonna keep getting new translations yeah. as the years go on, so that's not gonna change. And then the last question that you had mentioned um, was sort of this idea that you know, as we get further and further from the original manuscripts and stuff like that, like does it lose some of its um, authentic or authenticity? Um, and I think it's the other way around. You know, like when the King James version was written mm-hmm. in 1611. They hadn't found the Dead Sea Scrolls like they we have older documents today to verify the scriptures than they had in 1600s. So our 
it's actually the other way around where the Bible translations and stuff are getting more accurate mm-hmm. because we have more um, close to the source material. And then with all the technology nowadays, like you can literally sit down at a computer with a few programs and you can translate from the original Greek, you know, text yourself and do a word for word translation. Like, so it's actually getting more accurate. Yeah. There's more versions and translations today, but the ones and the source material that they're using to translate these are more authentic than they ever have been. So Mm -hmm. we should have, more confidence confidence. and again you got to be leery Mm -hmm. who's translating it again but because there's also satan's trying to weasel in you know like with the corrupt versions you you have to do your research on who yeah i mean it's not i think it was like one person with the what's that one the passion I'm a little leery of that one yeah you have like one guy translating your bible you wouldn't have anybody checking you know, in the King James Version was written by, you know, a lot, you know, people. It was very scholarly, but most yeah. of these are now. Like the Christian Standard Bible was written by a huge team of Bible yes. scholars. Like it's not just a guy in his basement, you know, translating <laughs> off of the King James Version and being yeah. like, oh, I'm going to change thou to the. So you can have confidence in the Bible. Find a version that's right for you. Just make sure it doesn't say God was a black transvestite and you'll be all right. Um, But anyways, that's all we got for you guys today. We love you. God bless. For America's climate goals, investing in clean energy adds up. But what doesn't add up is an additionality requirement for clean hydrogen. Additionality would put an unnecessary and inequitable burden on domestic clean hydrogen producers and have serious consequences for America. America needs clean hydrogen, but an additionality requirement just doesn't add up. Get the facts at cleanhydrogentoday.org. Paid for by the Fuel Cell and Hydrogen Energy Association.